This is the Darcy Jarreau Podcast, episode 28. Today my guest is Todd Brown, founder and executive director of the Firearms Institute for Rational Education. We're going to be talking about Bill C-21. Todd Brown, welcome to the Darcy Jarreau Podcast. How are things? Things are going really good, Darcy. Thank you very much for the invite. Yeah, well, uh, I've been meaning to get a hold of you. I've had a ton of people, listeners, asking uh, for me to do an episode on um, firearms and, you know, you know what they might call gun rights, what me and you usually just refer to as property rights. Um, and, yeah, so I'm just really glad we could, we could make this work. Um, it's been a while. Like I was out at your place. It was about seven years ago, and we had a good discussion about firearms then. And uh, seeing you at a few events here and there over the years. Um, so yeah, just really glad we could make this work. Yeah, well, things have been uh, been growing for me since since then. Um, you know, I'll uh, do a little introduction here just to let people know what I've been up to. Um, I, uh, uh, I'm a good friend of, uh, Rob Anders and, uh, he helped me start up a new organization. Now you probably haven't heard of us. Uh, we work in the background. Uh, it's called the Firearms Institute for Rational Education. I'm the founder and executive director. Uh, Rob Anders is the president. Um, I also am the co-founders of Concerned Gun Owners of Canada, which is pretty much a Facebook page, uh, discussion page. Um, I was on the original executive of the first Wild Rose Party. Uh, I've been studying and writing articles on firearms law for 10 plus years. Uh, I've been a firearms crossbow hunter trainer instructor for over 10 years. Uh, I've written or influenced gun policy for about six provincial and about three federal parties, including the original Wild Rose Party, uh, the People's Party of Alberta, the new uh, the new Wild Rose Independence Party of Alberta. I wrote uh, their firearms policy. Uh, the Buffalo Party of Saskatchewan, uh, Freedom Conservative Party, the United Conservative Party of Alberta. Um, I've worked with the Libertarian Party of Canada, co-wrote the firearms policy for the People's Party of Canada, and drafted uh, gun policy for, if people remember, for Wexit. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, myself and Rob Anders are responsible for the policy that got Alberta and Saskatchewan their provincially appointed chief firearms officers. If you, if everybody remembers when they uh, decided they didn't want uh, uh, a CFO appointed by Ottawa anymore, we wanted our own. So it was, uh, it was my my policy and uh, my pushing that uh, they got that done. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that's right, and that's why you're uh, you're the expert on this subject. I'm I'm really not an expert on this subject, uh, so I really I really appreciate you taking the time. Let Let's first talk about the let's talk about this chief firearms officers thing because this is something I remember you you were pushing for a long time ago, and I'm glad you brought it up because I might not have remembered. Um. Explain to me why it's so important for the provinces to have that type of autonomy 
um, especially when it comes to their firearms policies. Uh, well, the 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 thing that I was looking at at, at the time, it's uh, you know everybody was uh, uh, against what was labeled then as uh, C sixty eight from nineteen ninety five, uh, the Firearms Act. It is the Firearms Act is oh. I I can't don't <laughs> I don't know if I can get started on on that, but it was <laughs> it, it was a, a piece of federal legislation that's that's all about confiscating guns, and I was like, what can we do on a provincial basis? So as I said, I've I've uh, went through the Firearms Act, I've written articles on it, uh, pointed out you know different holes in it and what makes it a piece of confis- confiscatory uh, regulation. And uh, I come across what the the CFOs do, and they're uh, they work on a provincial basis. So, mm-hmm. in in my research, I was like, okay, the some of the provinces decided to appoint their own CFOs, and the ones that said we don't want anything to do with this firearms act, one was appointed for them. Right. So you, you can almost see my mind going when I, uh, when I was looking at it, okay, well, why can't we, uh, being, uh, Alberta saying we didn't want any part of it. It was uh, Ralph Klein at the time. He said, no, we don't want no part of that. I'm not going to help you out, which was actually a mistake in retrospect. Um, so getting our own chief firearms officer, we can appoint somebody that is from the province that has our, uh, our sensibilities, um, our, our way of thinking and, you know, they can, they can tweak a, a few things because actually the, the power of the CFOs is, is quite extensive. Um, and they they can do more than you, you might think. So that's when I said, okay, we got to get our own chief firearms officer. We got to appoint our own. And that's what it started out was, is, uh, I wrote a policy for the, the then Wild Rose party, which was adopted by the party, uh, with, uh, very few people against it like that. That was one of my proudest moments to see that policy be adopted. And, uh, the, uh, the idea behind it, of course, at the time was to get them, uh, appointed by our own government. And then I I got to realize and uh, th- this came from a conversation that Robin a- Rob Anders and myself was having. It's like, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to have accountability in this position because it, they, they do have a lot of power and any position with power should have accountability. Now, if they're appointed by the government, who are they uh, responsible to? The government. The only way you get true accountability is to make them accountable to the people. So I, uh, I switched gears and I changed it a little bit. I, uh, and I'm still a firm believer that the, the chief firearms officer for any province should be elected by the license holders of that province. Yeah. So I got, I got half of my policy with what we've got now. Um, I've got half of my policy. Right. Right. So now, now I gotta, gotta work on getting this to be an elected position. Well, I think that's I think that's a fabulous fabulous uh, way to approach it. So, tell us a bit about the Firearms Institute for Rational Education, and and I and I guess one other thing I'd like to know is was this chief firearms officer 
one of the bigger mandates that you guys came out the gate with? Yes, this was something that I I was working on way before I I started uh, Fire. Um, it, it was a pet project, if if you will, and just so people understand, when you get into politics and policy and and getting things pushed through, um, this project took me ten years. So, never give up. Yeah, always, always keep going on it. Keep pushing. Keep pushing. Politics moves slowly. So, um, yeah. yeah, when, and, and as far as fire goes, uh, what, what I wanted was, a another group that, uh, kind of filled the holes that the other, uh, the other big firearms organizations didn't fill. And that, that's the background education. Like we're not about, uh, teaching the courses or going out and uh, really getting in your face. Um, uh, what we do is, um, uh, how, to, to explain this, instead of going in the front door, now it's great that you know who your MLA or your MP is, but that's going in through the front door. You go in there, you talk to them, you say, you got this great idea. They go, mm, okay, whatever. And then you leave. And then you got, you got to keep bugging them, keep going back and going back. So you're going in through the front door, trying to, uh, make, get a, a, a spot at the table for yourself. And that, that's like going in and, uh, you know, a little kid going up to the, the cook and saying, please, sir, may I have more? Yeah, <laughs> if, if, if that makes sense. So what we do is by creating policies and getting involved politically in, in different political parties. And you see, I've written uh, uh, policy for a lot of different, different parties. Um, eventually, one is going to come to power. And is going to be able to push that policy. And is a, it's a whole lot easier to get a policy into a party that's not in power. Mm, yeah. Okay. So you, I'm digging my well before I'm thirsty kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I, I got a policy in with the wild rose and then the wild rose and the conservatives merged. And then we've got the United conservative party. And then, you know, Ed, that was a, a real kerfuffle there. But uh, uh, the upshot is what I'm doing is I'm going in through the back door. I join the party, I get on a CA board or I get on the, the provincial board if I can. And then um, I put myself in a position where I can push these policies and I want to be able to teach people. I've done it several times. Mm-hmm. It's completely doable. And all I got to do is find the right people and teach them the same skills. And that that's what we at FIRE uh, strive to do is to teach people how to go in the back door and change things through uh, writing policy and getting the, the correct policy put through. Imagine if we had um, a, a whole bunch of uh, constituency associations with gunnies running these constituency associations and influencing the policy that the, uh, the leader of that particular party has to push. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now we're not asking, we're telling them, I said, this is the policy we want you support it. Yeah. 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 So that that's, that's going in through the back door. We're not asking, we're telling. So that, that's what I want to teach people how to do. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, uh, it's a very direct political action kind of strategy you guys are taking on. Yes. And, uh, and we've proved that it works. Like I, I've introduced policy obviously in all sorts of different, uh, 
uh, different places. And uh, some of the policy has been uh, people have grabbed it and run with it. And the, the, our big success, of course, is the uh, chief firearms officers for Alberta and Saskatchewan. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, that's it's completely fan- doable, but you, you can't give up. That's right. Yeah. No, that's and that's fantastic. Um, so let's see. The big the big thing right now is uh, what the feds are calling Bill C-21 which again, I'm not that familiar with. Um, but the one point I heard you make was that the, this these gun issues, especially with the liberals, are often used as a distraction from other you know things that are going on, scandals and and whatnot. And and especially recently, it was the uh, public inquiry into the Emergencies Act. Uh, can can you tell the listeners a bit more about that? Oh, absolutely. The the liberals are really good at uh, uh, switching tactics like that. Like, uh, you know, watch my right hand while my left hand uh, takes your wallet kind of thing, you know. And that's kind of what was going on. The the liberals have got so many scandals going on. They needed they needed a distraction, like you said. Um, And that's to take people's attention away. As soon as this uh, C-21 came came into effect and they got debating it. Everything about the uh, Emergencies Act Commission just vanished. Yeah, yeah, crazy. You know, it it was it was a distraction. It it took the heat off of them in other areas where mm-hmm. we should still be looking at that. But you know, they got the media in their back pocket, and you know that that's a whole nother uh, conversation. <laughs> but um, C twenty one is out and out an attack on gun owners of Canada. You got to look at all the. Most of the legislation that has been introduced over the the last fifty to you know uh, right right to the early nineteen hundreds has been been brought forward by the Liberal Party or some some sort of socialist uh, leaning party. Mm-hmm. They don't want us to have firearms. Every time the Liberals get in, and you can you can go back to the eighties uh, at least, and you can see every time they got in. They pushed gun policy, and they they made it harder for gun owners. They're they're picking on us, and then the uh, conservatives would get in. They'd back it up a little bit, but not far not far enough. Mm-hmm. They they wouldn't get rid of everything that they they did. So, you know, take take that as you will. But yeah, um, yeah, for yeah. Sure. Th- this was a. a this was definitely used as a uh, as a distraction, and that's that's one of the common uh, things that politicians use uh, a tactic where you know when they get too much heat on them, they'll they'll distract you by saying, "Oh, well, look what's going on over here." Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now, and, and I guess for liberal leaning voters, it does also tend to be a fairly I don't, I don't know if I would say popular, but it does tend to work as a distraction. I mean, it does tend to be something that uh, gets everyone's attention, including, you know, conservatives also, right? Because all of a sudden they are engaged in uh, fighting this legislation, or, you know, some of them fight harder than others, obviously, but they're engaged in fighting this uh, weird confiscatory gun uh, legislation instead of focusing on some of the real issues at hand, right? Oh, they don't care about the real issues. They, if if they're, you know, look at history. All you have to do is look at history of gun control. 
whenever the guns have been forcibly removed from the hands of civilians, you tell me what happened to the civilians. Yeah. Could it happen in Canada? People would shake their head and say no. But, you know, uh, 10 years ago, we would have said, well, there's no way that they're going to try and take our guns away. Yeah. yeah. We'll try and work with them. And it, it's been, you know, if you imagine a gun control as being a big piece of pie, we've been giving up slice after slice and they've just been saying, well, it's reasonable. You know, come on, work with us. And then they take another slice and they say, oh, well, we're just going to go a little bit further. It's reasonable. They take another slice. You know, now we're left with almost nothing. Yeah. And they want to take the rest of it. Yeah. It's the old. So you, you, yeah, bait and switch. It's the old bait and switch or or the old uh, frog boiling in a pot analogy, right? Or as as they keep turning up the temperature. So explain to us how Bill C-21 is, yeah, I mean, we can, how, how you can uh, justifiably compare it to outright confiscation. Oh boy, this can be a long conversation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> okay. Well, um, first off, remember that uh, the attacks on peaceful and responsible gun owners is a constant theme with the liberals. Okay. Mm-hmm. And I use the term peaceful and responsible. You know, for me, terminology is everything. And, and I'll be explaining a few other terms as I go through this as well. Yeah. But you, uh, I, I can't, I can't stomach the term that's been put on gun owners now is that we're law abiding gun owners. And the reason I can't stomach that anymore is because, uh, when do we stop being law abiding when they, they've taken all our guns away or when they change the law, like what laws are we going to abide by? How far down the road do we have to go before we're going to say, no, we're not law abiding anymore. Mm -hmm. However, gun owners by and large are peaceful and responsible. We are the most vetted and most responsible segment of society on the planet. I would, I would guess. Mm -hmm. Okay. So just remember, you know, don't, uh, uh, I'm going to ask people use the phrase when you, uh, uh, when you refer to yourself as a gun owner, Use the phrase peaceful and responsible. Yeah. We're peaceful and responsible gun owners because then no matter what the, what the law says, we're always peaceful and responsible. Well, why do you need this, this new law to take away my hunting rifle? Well, we're peaceful and responsible. Why do you want to take it away from me? Yeah. Yeah. What justification do you have to take it away from me? So it is a, it is a very good a uh, phrase to use when, when describing gun owners. I just wanted to put that, yeah, that in there. No, and, so. and, and that's a very good one because it, it really draws a line between like natural law and legislative law, right? Yes. Yeah, for sure. So we're, we're peaceful and responsible. The other thing I want people to understand, and I, and people have been drugged down into the weeds with this one is you know, what guns do they want to take away and what guns are they going to let us keep? Now they're after grandpa's hunting rifle. Oh, is that where we draw the line? Mm-hmm. Okay. This whole C21 right from the get go was about taking your guns away. They've just been adding to the list as they go along, as they've been debating this bill, they've just been adding to the list. They, they added to the, uh, order and council list of guns. And then they added in this, this whole nother however, four pages or whatever it was of, uh, of rifles that they want to take away. Most of them I might add are semi-automatic, which is a, uh, one of the steps that confiscation takes 
they they take away the full autos, the pistols, and then they come after the semi-autos, and they're right on track with that because mm-hmm. that that's what they're after mostly is the semi-autos. So yeah. th- this bill is about confiscation. Call it for what it is. It, it's not not about um, uh, uh, you know uh, what, what's the word that they're using using now that I I I get stuck on the word confiscation because that's exactly what it is. Yeah, they want they want to ban. They're, they're yeah. saying they're going to ban a gun. It doesn't sound as bad. No, they're not banning. They're confiscating. And I'll explain how they do sure. that by, by the law later on. Sure. But um, they're, they're, this is, bill is all about confiscation. Don't go into the weeds with them and start debating which guns are good and which guns are bad and, and all that sort of shit. This whole bill is about confiscation. Yeah. Plain yep. and simple, full stop. The, the, the bill should go. Not, not pieces of it that That's they've right. introduced. The whole thing should go because the whole thing is about confiscation. The, that's where that's where I really feel, and again, not knowing anything about guns, but where I really feel watching the conservative opposition, that's where they've really already ceded too much ground is they've they've got into that conversation of what guns are you could consider hunting rifles or not. And that's that's really not where the conversation should be going. It should be, I mean, for me, there's two parts. There's one that these are just, uh, this is just an item that somebody might want to own for whatever reason. And as long as they're not hurting somebody else with it, they should be allowed to own it, right? Exactly. Uh, it's it's private property. It comes down to private property. And thank God for uh, 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 Danielle Smith right now, mm-hmm. because she is she is headed down that that road of private property. Private property, for those of you who don't know, is a domain of the provinces. Mm, yes. Firearms are private property. Yeah. yeah. In law, they're not, but they, they are, they're, they're private property. Okay. So they should be, uh, the laws concerning guns should be up to the provinces and the people voting the, the governments in that, you know, if Ontario wants to ban all their guns on a provincial basis, you know, have at her. If you don't like it, elect a new, new government there in yeah. Alberta. They're private property. You can't have them. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So keep that in mind. This is, this is about private property. These are about your rights. And why are Canadians so willing just to roll over and say, yep, I'm going to give up my rights. Mm -hmm. I'm just, it, that just drives me up, up the wall, but keep in mind private property. So, um, remember this, this list they have, it's about confiscation. It's they want to take it away. Now, how do they how do they do that by law? Now, here here's where it uh, it might get complicated. I hope I'm good at explaining this. Um, what makes it possible is that under our current laws, which is the Firearms Act of 1995, um, the first step in legislative confiscation is to make whatever you want to confiscate illegal. Okay, prior to 1995, the simple uh, simple possession of a firearm was quite legal. Mm-hmm. And when I say simple possession, I mean without government interference. Yeah. Okay, we, we had a, uh, um, an FAC back then. And a lot of, lot of the, the old timers, they still call it an FAC, which is legally uh, absolutely wrong because it's a, a certification system. You went into the police station, you filled out a form, you you certified that you're you're not a criminal, they checked you out, all the background checks and everything were were done, 
And then you were handed a certificate saying, okay, yep, this guy had his checks done. He's good. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. That law, by the way, was brought in by the, by the liberals. What was it in the seventies or early eighties or something like that? I think it was in the seventies. Um, I might be wrong on the date, so don't quote me on that. Um, so to, to make the guns illegal, the first thing they had to do, the first, one of the first things the Firearms Act did was they brought into being uh, sections 91 and 92 of the criminal code. Okay, now the criminal code, on section 91 states, every person commits an offense who possesses, not owns, possesses. I want to get into the difference between ownership and possession here too. Um, any, every person who commits an offense or every person commits an offense who possesses a firearm without being the holder of a license under which the person may possess it or a registration certificate for that, that particular, the firearm, if it's prohibited. Mm -hmm. Okay. So they say possess. Now this is a licensing system. Yeah. Okay, there's a big difference between a license and a certificate. And I want to want to read people the definition of a license from Black's Law Dictionary. Now, I always paraphrase this because it's a bit longer, but it what is a license under Black's Law Dictionary? And I quote, in the law of contracts, it is a permission accorded by a competent authority conferring the right to do some act which without such authorization would be illegal. Mm -hmm. So it's permission to do something that's otherwise illegal. That's how I paraphrase it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So as long as we have a licensing system, guns by default in Canada are illegal Mm -hmm. to possess. Yeah. Yeah. And then how can you own something that's illegal to just have? Well, that's right. Yeah, for sure. Now, in contrast, what would uh, what would a, what would be the definition of a certificate under those same parameters? Uh, okay, I, you're going to ask me that, and I have the definition of a certificate here. And because while you're looking for it, I'll just say, I mean, because for me, the yeah, the the license is basically a, a a fine you pay in advance for something the state deems is illegal. Whereas, say we had a completely free market, I could still see some sort of a certificate program existing on the free market where uh like you're a you're a uh you own a fairly substantial amount of uh property where you are taught i don't know if if you hunt on it or anybody else does but if you wanted to let somebody hunt on your property you might want to know that they have some uh level of experience hunting and and with firearms and you might want to see a certificate that could be issued on the free market right yeah. That, that, I mean, to me, that's where I would see the, the difference taking place. Okay. A qualification or attribute meaning to be officially attested or authoritatively confirmed as being genuine or true as represented or complying or meeting specified requirements or standards. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And we could see something like, like that be issued on the free market in all kinds of instances, right? Yeah, well, you go into the uh, into the oil industry, mm-hmm. and you have to be certified for all manner of different sorts of things. Yeah, absolutely. Safety certificates, and uh, you know, uh, certified to run equipment, and it's it's not a license. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is a certificate. It 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 says this guy can do this. 
That's right. He's, yeah. He is qualified to be able to do this uh, safely. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, sorry. Sorry if I, I derailed it a bit there with asking that question, but I, I think it is important to to know the difference. So then what after after uh, the difference between after, you know, this licensing conversation comes in. And I and I think there are gun advocacy groups that are uh, like to use li- the licensing, the government licensing system as a as a kind of backdrop for their their gun advocacy also. But what after that? How how do we then keep moving towards this idea of outright confiscation through Bill C twenty one? Well, the the first I I still have more information. The first okay. thing is understanding how how it works because if you if you don't know what the problem is, you can't fix it. Yes. And that, right. that's a problem with the government is that they, 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 uh, they have solutions looking for problems. Yeah. And yes. the Firearms Act was one of them. You yeah. know, there, there was no problem there. And so they, they made a solution to, to fix a non-existent problem. So, so now that you know what a license is, a license is permission to do something that's otherwise illegal. And it's, it's a licensing system because they brought in sections 91 and 92 of the, and those are put into the criminal code of Canada. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So it's, uh, number 92, uh, yeah, I read uh, 91, 92. Oh boy. They really, this is a CYA. If I ever saw one cover your butt. Um, every person commits an offense who possesses a firearm, knowing that the person is not the holder of a license or registration certificate. So if if you know that you're not the holder of one, then and you you still have a firearm, then they can charge you again under Section 92. Oh yeah, hmm. It's a double. So ignorance of the law is no excuse here. They're they're this this is a cover your butt moment. Yeah, yeah. For okay. Sure. So remember, firearms, and I have had this argument even with lawyers that. You no, know, firearms are legal in Canada. By default, no, they're not. Right. Yes. Under sec- Section 91 states it right there. Every person commits an offense who possesses a firearm, possesses a firearm mm-hmm. without being the holder of a license. Yeah. What's a license? A license is permission. It's a get out of jail free card. Permission yeah. to do something that's otherwise illegal. Yeah. So they delegitimized or they, they made illegal simple possession of a firearm. So how can you own something that by law is illegal to own or legal, illegal to possess. You can't own it. Yeah, for sure. And I guess what comes, you know, again, what comes to mind for, for me is that when you haven't, when you haven't uh, done harm to anybody else or to anybody else's property, there, there's really no, there's no crime there. Uh, like no, the old no. adage, no victim, no crime. So just by virtue that, yeah, of owning a gun, there is no victim. Now, now you, except you're punishing people in advance uh you know it's like reminds me of that old movie minority report where they were trying to tell <laughs> tell the future yes. about who would commit a crime right yeah yeah actually i i refer this back we we have uh, speed traps right yeah so uh, under this legislation and this this logic is just brought over to to vehicles um under the logic they use under the firearms act we shouldn't be giving tickets to people that speed we should just be throwing them in jail and taking away their vehicles and then giving everybody else a ticket 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, what What did I, I didn't do anything. I don't, it doesn't matter. He sped, so you're getting a ticket. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Okay. So, that you know, there, <laughs> there's all sorts of ways you can, I, I like that analogy per, uh, personally. So, yeah, I do too. Um, now, moving on here. Um, now this, this part, for those of you that are not really familiar with the, the firearms act and the, the, the different, uh, uh, categories of guns and that it, it may get a little complicated, but I'll, I'll try and, uh, explain it. And hopefully, uh, you Darcy can, uh, kind of, uh, ask any, any questions, you know, there's no stupid questions in this one. So, okay. So understand that under the firearms act, they, uh, uh, they proposed and implemented three different categories of firearms. Okay, there's non-restricted, restricted, and prohibited. Non-restricted is your your general rifles and shotguns. Uh, restricted is uh, handguns uh, and short short-barreled rifles, uh, that sort of thing. And prohibited category is the category where your full autos little snub nose revolvers, any, anything under a, a four-inch barrel length would be considered prohibited, meaning you can't have it, and the only way that you could have a prohibited license if you, is if you actually had one of these firearms prior to 1995 as the law came in. It's, it's called grandfathering, and they would give you a license because you, you have one. This, this is called delayed confiscation, by the way, because they don't give out and there's no way to get a prohibited class license. Mm-hmm. Okay, so when uh, when if you had a prohibited class license and you died, your gun is uh, is forfeit to the government. It's confiscated and destroyed. Hmm. Okay, so yeah. that that's that's what I I like to call uh, a delayed confiscation. Well, I mean the 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 other thing that brings to mind though is I mean some people are just collectors of things you know like i've mm-hmm. collected uh coins when i was a kid and i collected comic books and and there are people that would just collect some of these guns right now now yeah. how are they committing any crime by just having it in a display case on their you know on well, their they're, mantle? They're, to, to you and me they're they're not there yeah. there's no danger there but just the existence of this gun to a liberal is intolerable yeah it's crazy so you got to remember, so when, when the government says, okay, we are going to reclassify a gun, that, that's what they call it in nice, in nice terms. We're going to reclassify this to the prohibited class. Why don't you just come out and say what you're going to do? We want to confiscate these guns. How do yeah. we do it in a nice way? We move it from the restricted or non-restricted uh, categories to the prohibited class. Nobody's got a prohibited class license. So sections 91 and 92 kick in. Yeah. And it, uh, again, as I stated, and this is more proof that guns are illegal in Canada by default. How do they take them away? They make them prohibited. Nobody's got the prohibited class license. Section 91 kicks in. You can't have it. Yeah. So I mean, and and a lot of this stuff, the, what you're referring to as delayed confiscation, it, you're just waiting for the owner of this firearm to to pass away, and then the government takes this thing and destroys it. Correct? Right. That's yeah. correct. Yeah, that's exactly right. Now there's a, there's a term that I mentioned, and not a lot of people are familiar with it. 
Uh, I said order and counsel. Now, order and counsel is a way to change regulation without going through the House procedures of debate and uh, oversight and all that sort of thing. Okay? And it's done with regulations. Now, there's, there's areas where an OIC comes in handy because it's a, you know, if there's a little piece of regulation that was written badly or something, you know, you can you can rewrite it and say, okay, this is not going to have a big effect. It just clarifies it or something along that that note. And, uh, you know, it doesn't really have to be debated. And there are pieces of legislation that are that are like that. Okay. But when it's abused, the Firearms Act, and this is a case of big abuse, the Firearms Act is a completely regulatory piece of legislation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Under sections 117 of the Firearms Act, go look it up. It's about four pages of things that they can change by OIC. And it encompasses Everything, hmm. everything in the firearms act can be changed by OYC. Who gets a license? Uh, what guns you can have? Um, you know the period of of uh, licensing. Everything can be changed by OYC. Mm-hmm. And I've warned people about this right from the get go, and I it just fell on deaf ears. And now it's happening. You know, not as badly as I had predicted, but it's still happening. The, it, I I actually suggested. That, uh, you know, if the liberals wanted to, by OIC, they could revoke all our firearms licenses. Yeah. And if they did that, what would happen? Section 91 would kick in and let the confiscations begin. Mm-hmm. Okay, now that's how the Liberal Party uh, did the initial uh, list of, uh, of guns that they wanted to confiscate. Is They did it by order and counsel. Hmm. Order and counsel is, uh, it, it's put through. It's signed by the governor general and it's law. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so that there, there's no debate. It doesn't go through the house. Nothing. The only reason that they got, uh, that we're debating it now is that they got caught doing it. Yeah. Like, okay? it, so I, I mean, uh, I under, just want to point uh, out too, like, could you imagine any other type of confiscatory or punitive, uh, like if we weren't talking about guns, if we were talking about, automobiles and they just had that type of authority to change the law with a snap of a finger like that. Could you, I mean, it seems unimaginable. Yeah, it, it does. So, um, I, I want to, <laughs> there's a, there's another CYA thing in the, in this piece of legislation too. Uh, okay. They, they covered their ass. Cause like I said, there's a huge list, uh, a through W, however many numbers that is that of, um, of different areas that they can change by OIC. But the last one is the cover your butt uh, piece. And it says prescribing anything that by any provision of this act can be prescribed by regulation, meaning anything in this act can be changed by an OIC. Yeah. That's just legal speak for if it, it wasn't listed specifically, we can still change it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because the firearms act is a completely regulatory piece of legislation. And I might add, it's not aimed at criminal behavior. It actually creates criminal behavior because it makes criminals out of uh, uh, peaceful and responsible citizens. Yeah. yeah. Not law-abiding, peaceful sure. and responsible. For sure. Absolutely. I mean, even if, there was, even if there was somebody involved in, you know, bringing guns across the border uh, without the government's consent, even if that person is peaceful and responsible, um, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, 
it's a, a not wouldn't be considered law abiding by any way, right? Yeah. Yeah. So th- this is this is the piece of legislation that is uh, allowing to or giving precedence to them to be able to outright confiscate our firearms. Mm-hmm. Now I can go into detail in the uh, the Firearms Act on how everything kind of works together. It's like a big spider web. You 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 pluck one string and the whole thing vibrates, and that that's kind of how how the Firearms Act works. It was designed specifically to confiscate firearms, yeah. period. Alan yeah. Rock, and, and I have uh, quotes from the, the Hansard, Alan Rock actually lied to Parliament to get this passed through. Okay. I'd, I'd, it, like, it, I'd it, be interested in hearing that story. Uh, let's see. i gotta got to find that one. Okay, but, uh, well, yeah, <laughs> I, 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 I will find it. I know where it's at. Okay. Um, so the, the takeaway from this, everybody – don't get caught in the weeds over which guns they're confiscating. This is confiscation on a massive scale. Right. They're coming after all the semi-automatic. They're coming after the handguns, and now they're coming after all the semi-automatics, and they thought they could do it in one fell swoop. Now, obviously, there's been a, a huge blowback on this, uh, but again, it, this is a distraction from their other failures and their their other law-breaking activities. So, Keep that in mind. Do not get caught in the weeds over which guns. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't be confiscating any of them. None of them should be on a list. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So please don't get caught in the weeds. I'm getting sick of this debate of, you know, they're, they're after grandpa's gun. No, they're after everybody's gun. This is just the way that, that it's done. You look at the history and they go after full automatics and they come after the handguns and they go after the semi-automatics and and then they start coming after. Okay, well, lever action's a little too fast, so we're gonna get get rid of the lever action. Then the pump action goes, and pretty soon you're only left with a brake action shotgun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and then we then we have uh, politicians in there uh, that can't even use the correct terms. They say they're a gun owner, and they say a 22 gauge. Like, <laughs> give me a break. <laughs> Yeah. Well, who knows? I, I don't, I don't know what any of the, I don't, uh, when people talk guns, I, I don't know one from the other myself, to be honest, Todd, but, uh, I, I am. Well, it, 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 okay. Gauge is a, is a reference to the size of a, the bore of a shotgun. Well, we don't, and I, I do understand that. I apologize. And we don't need to get into that because most of my listeners are quite familiar with, with guns far more so than myself. I, I, I have a particular interest in the, the legislation and, and, you know, the, what, what I think is, uh, unjust government behavior, right? Yes, absolutely. Just hang on. I'm looking for that. Uh... Oh yeah, no, sir. I, and I, 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 we don't need it word for word. I'm just curious what the, what the exact lie was that he told to get the legislation passed and, and, and uh, then how he got away with it. Other than there it is. I can imagine the other politicians are too ignorant on the subject to realize that, that he was lying. Okay, th- this is a uh, this this is what politicians do. They they wordsmith their lies, mm-hmm. so they use other words to to cover their butt, as it were. Okay, now this was a debate that was being had uh, February fourteenth, nineteen ninety five, in the House. Um, now there was uh, three people involved in this, and I I sincerely apologize to the the 
the the French uh, Bloc Québécois member. I cannot pronounce her name worth a crap. Rob can. I can't. Um, but it was <laughs> there's uh, a fella that was uh, MP for Prince George Peace River, and he was at, at the time he was a Reform member, Mr. J Hill, um, and he asks. Uh, under the Justice Minister's gun control legislation tabled earlier today, hundreds of thousands of firearms legally acquired by law-abiding citizens will now effectively be confiscated. How does the minister justify his government's confiscation of private property? Now, he, he identified exactly what this legislation is all about. He stated it right there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Alan Rock. Oh, what a piece of work this guy was. He came to Ottawa with the firm belief that nobody should have a firearm except uh, police and the army. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. Um, he he uh, replied, the honorable member's question is fundamentally flawed. There is nothing in the bill that confiscates firearms. And I think I think I proved through our uh, through the last half hour conf- uh, conversation that this bill is about confiscation. Yeah, absolutely. For okay. Sure. Yeah. He goes on to say the bill is intended to enhance criminal sanctions, to crack down on criminal misuse of guns, and to achieve the sort of control any reasonable society wants to ensure public safety. Now, I mentioned that there's nothing in the in the bill that goes after criminals. It's entirely directed at peaceful and responsible gun owners. Mm-hmm. And he says it says in here the bill is intended to enhance criminal sanctions. It creates criminals. It, yeah. it doesn't do anything about the, the criminals that are walking the streets now. It's creating criminals. You're, you're introducing legislation and, uh, and uh, le- legislation against the guns that makes it uh, illegal to have. Yeah. Yeah. So, sure. and to crack down on, how does it crack down on criminal misuse of guns? Yeah. Locking your gun in a cabinet or making a guy take it. Now I'm all for education, but making a uh, an 80 year old guy that's been around guns all his life take a course just so he can possess his own guns that he's been he's had in his possession for 70 or 80 years is ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, another question. Uh, this one's from Vignet. Uh, uh, Mrs. Vignet, uh, I I really don't know how to, I don't speak French, so I, I apologize for that. But um, she asks, given the official opposition's criticism of when his plan of action was unveiled in December, does the Minister of Justice still plan to allow the owners of 13,000 automatic weapons registered in Canada, including 4,000 AK-47s, to keep them legally for the rest of their lives? Okay, remember, remember what I said about moving stuff to the prohibited class? Mm-hmm. Okay, according to the, this is what Alan Rock replied with, according to the bill that was tabled today, that was uh, the Firearms Act, all such paramilitary weapons, now terms again, paramilitary weapons, Yeah. okay, Yeah. will be prohibited. And in, in other words, he's going to move them to the prohibited class. This is how he rephrases confiscation. He, and I quote, they will be out of circulation at the end of the lives of those who now own them. Mm -hmm. That's delayed confiscation right there. He just said up top, his first answer, there is nothing in this bill that confiscates firearms. 
And down here, he says they will be out of circulation at the end of the lives of the people that now own them. That's right. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So, and just, uh, let me, I just want to finish this, this okay. off here. Yep. Uh, he goes on to say, in the meantime, so that we do not confiscate, quote unquote, so he doesn't want to use the word confiscate, to use the word the honorable member from another province, they will be permitted to trade them, buy them, and sell them among members of the same class. However, at the end of the day, in keeping with the policies and principles of the bill, those firearms will be out of circulation. That's his word for confiscation. They will be out of circulation. That's right. Yeah. Now, when he says right at the beginning, there's nothing in this bill that confiscates firearms, you tell me, did he lie? Well, I would say he absolutely did, especially, you know, people like ourselves uh, who are believers in property rights and the rights of inheritance in particular. I mean, those uh, those pieces of property, uh, and let's be honest, I mean, a lot of them are just a, a metal tube with a with – a, a trigger and a and a, some other things on them, right? So uh, those things should go to that person's estate and be dealt with by their family, not by not by the government or the or the bureaucratic state. You know, if you know, if somebody dies and nobody has interest in the firearms, um, you know, sure, call the police and say, "Well, we've got we've got these firearms. We don't know what to do with them." Mm-hmm. Now, why they're being destroyed is beyond me because they're they're absolutely uh, negating an income stream for the police. Mm-hmm. If we have problems with uh, 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 paying the police their wages or money to buy equipment and whatever, you know, if they confiscate a firearm, put it on the auction block and sell it. Why are they destroying it? Mm-hmm. Because the government does not want guns in the hands of civilians. Yeah. Yes. So, well, we only got a few minutes left, and I, we've, me and you have talked about this before. Uh, I'm not a gun owner, but there's nothing that makes me want to own a gun more than the government telling me I can't have it, um, <laughs> right? And, and there's some obvious historical precedents for things like that. So let's, um, you know, outside of, you know, uh, recreation and collecting and stuff, you know, I am a believer that people should have the right to to defend themselves and their and their property, and not only a right, an obligation, so that you're not, you know, causing undue stress on a on a state funded police system and and things like that. Can so can you speak to that a little bit? Where where to start on this one? I got so so many rabbit holes to go down. Um, <laughs> yeah, there. Which come at this from? Um, as I said before, firearms owners are peaceful and responsible. They are the most vetted and the safest segment of society. Why are why is the government now this is a rhetorical question, but why is the government coming after the safest segment of society after a thing? Mm-hmm. After private property. It uh anybody in power. Uh, the one thing that they want to do is they want to stay in power. What would challenge their ability to stay in power, and this has been proved over history over and over and over again, is an armed civilian population. You cannot control a population that is armed and ready to defend itself and understands what's going on and understands the repercussions of defending themselves. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't know if that 
that no, that's, answers that's, your question a it, little bit? It, or? Yes, it does. It's it's very well said. I appreciate that. Um, so what uh, what have we missed? I want to make sure we use up as much time as we can. What what else have, what else do we need to go over in this conversation that I I might have overlooked uh, asking questions? Holy man, um, there is so much that I could I could get uh, go into here. Um, the I guess the, the, the takeaway from this is understand what they're doing. Okay. They're deflecting, they're distracting, and they are doing something now that, uh, you know, why ask yourself, why are they take, why do they want to take away their guns? Uh, maybe perhaps they, they're going to do something to us that, uh, <laughs> we won't stand for, mm-hmm. um, Understand what the difference between licensing and the certification system. I have lots of people saying, well, if, if you don't have a, uh, a license, how are we going to vet these people? We did that under a certification system. Certification doesn't mean you just hand these out willy-nilly. The certification is your background checks, your education, all the stuff that you, you need to be able to vet somebody. And, and, and sorry, I, all, would, I would even add to that. Uh, in a free market certification program, there would be personal liability on the table to somebody handing out those certificates. Like if you were a owned a company that certified people to prove that they're capable of handling these instruments, you would, you would make sure that you're doing the due diligence and everything to keep your credibility as somebody who's able to hang out, hand out certifications. Whereas I think the state uh, does a poor job of that because ultimately there isn't, a person that can be held responsible. Oh, we we all know a government could, uh, can't run a lemonade stand, let alone uh... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, that's excellent. <laughs> you know, but no, I I agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. Like I'm I'm a libertarian as well. So uh, you know, we got to leave it to the to the people. It, it's not in the government's purview to decide what kind of property we can or cannot own if we. If we own it, then uh, we should be doing it safely. And if there's, uh, if we can't do it, it's just like a car. If you can't operate a motor vehicle safely, there's repercussions for that. Exactly. But yeah. you you cannot legislate stupidity. You cannot legislate criminality. Mm-hmm. All you can do is uh, uh, prepare yourself and protect yourself from it. Yeah, because it, it is going to happen. There's no way that we are going to get rid of all the criminals in the world. That's Although right. down in Texas, their their sure their their self defense laws in Texas are sure starting to uh, get rid of a few of them. But uh, okay, yeah, you know, everybody, everybody, and everything, every living creature in the world has the right of self defense and uses it. Mm-hmm. Even a lowly worm will try and defend itself in one way, shape or another. Yeah, absolutely. Now, I guess the last thing I'd like to ask is, um, do we have anything to be, ho- I mean, obviously there's the, the chief firearms officer subject, uh, we went over. It, do we have anything else to be hopeful for right, at this point? I mean, or, um, I mean, obviously you're working hard to, hard to make a difference. There's some other groups doing the same thing. Um, but what what is on the horizon that can give us some optimism? Well, right now there's there's been enough blowback that they've they've put off uh, this particular piece of legislation for at least a month or two because okay. of Christmas holidays and and all that. So 
there, there's some hope there. Um, get together, uh, write letters. And actually this is another topic that I, I should teach people is how to write a letter to your, uh, uh, your representative. Um, but letter writing, uh, petitions, and I, I, that's another subject that I could, uh, I could teach on is, uh, how to write an effective petition and what, and what they're actually used for. Like this is, this is the teaching that, that we do at fire. Mm-hmm. We teach people how to do this because, you know, you write a, a five page dissertation to an MP and it's going file 13. They're not even going to look at it. Right. You know, if you can't make your point in a, in a paragraph or two or less than a page, you haven't thought about it long enough. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, you know, but, but anyway, get, call your MP. If they're liberal, call them and, and make sure that you have people behind you. What, what the petitions and letter writing does is give you power through numbers. Mm-hmm. You got to remember a politician's money is votes. Yes. If you affect how many votes they're going to get in the next election, even the liberals will back down. If you tell uh, if in Ontario or Quebec or wherever in, the, in some of the rural areas, if you tell them, okay, you go ahead and vote for this, but we're going to vote your butt out next election because mm-hmm. I have this many people with the same opinion. Mm-hmm. If you can show them that, and that's what that's one thing that letter writing and petitions will do is it will show them uh, if they're on the right track or if they're not on the right track. And on this one here, they are definitely derailed. Right. Right. Yeah. No. Ex- so keep, keep that up. Keep, keep talking, keep pressuring your, your local representative. You think one voice doesn't matter. I've been a lone voice in getting a CFO for almost 10 years. Mm, yes. Yep. Yeah, exactly. It can be done. It can be done. Just keep pressuring them. Get the, you know, Join an organization that that is uh, that is doing something. Uh, learn more about what's going on. Learn how the process works. Uh, join a uh, constituency association. Join a political party. You know that uh, what a very small percentage, like less than ten percent. I think it's like five or two percent of people that show up and actually are part of a political party are the ones that are making these bad decisions get in there and be one of the people that make these bad decisions into good decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, uh, tell the listeners where to find you, how to follow you or how to get in touch. Um, I'm, I'm ashamed to say right now that for some reason our website is down, but keep an eye out for it. Um, we're, we're working on it. We don't know what happened to it. Um, we have uh, petitions uh, up there, but it's firearmsinstitute.ca when we can get the darn thing back up after the holidays. And um, also on Facebook, just uh, type in uh, Firearms Institute for Rational Education and uh, the web page will pop up. Um, I'm technologically inept, so uh, uh, you know okay. there's not as much information up there as perhaps should be because I'm always working in the background. like. The, uh, yep. the websites and, and all that are not always on the foremost of my mind. If anybody wants to help me out with that, contact me, yeah. <laughs> get a hold of me, yeah. you can get a hold of me through the Facebook page. You get a hold of them through the Facebook page. Uh, all the listeners know how to email me on my Substack too. I can put you in touch with Todd. Anybody who's willing to help with his website would be much appreciated. Uh, Todd, thanks so much for coming on. This was really great. 
Thank you very much. I, I had a blast. I hope somebody out there got something out of this and decides to take action. That would be great. That was Todd Brown, founder and executive director of the Firearms Institute for Rational Education, or FIRE. You can find them at firearmsinstitute.ca. And if you like the Darcy Jerome podcast, subscribe on Substack. Substack.